Hi everybody, I'm Mike Hancock, the Chairman of the Circle of Excellence Group of Companies. Welcome to our call today. And we have Paul Teval from the Netherlands um, and a wonderful friend and a person that I've known in business now for many, many years, but really only got to know in the last five or six years, I think. Uh, most recently is the past president of the Global Speakers Federation. For those of you that don't know about the, the Global Speakers Federation, it's essentially a billion dollar business. And Paul had the, uh, the, the duty of care of being the custodian of that, which is tens of thousands of speakers around the world and their careers during the first phase of the pandemic. So um, luckily the, the ship was in good hands there because Paul, whose background uh, initially was a lawyer and then moved into consulting and speaking, speaks all about engagement in the workplace and putting fun back at work as well. So you can imagine when all the speakers are running around going, ah, all my gigs have been cancelled and I'm going to die, that Paul's there with his, um, with his tremendous leadership to actually steer the ship through that. Paul, today we're going to be talking about um, how purpose for individuals is now taking the work floor. So welcome. Good to see you. So, so tell me about purpose and work. So I remember when I first started work, there was no mention of purpose. It was they gave me a broom and told me to sweep the floor. And, you know, then, then I was lucky enough to be taught how to drive a forklift and lucky times changed from then and I moved on and did other things. But even in my most recent job that I had 20 years ago, we never talked about purpose on the work floor. So tell me why is this, you know, relevant now and what's happening in the workspaces around the world? Well, thank you, Mike, and, and great to see you all. Um, it's uh, lovely to, to be invited to speak to you. Um, well, I, I started as a lawyer in social security and the, the, the part was that I saw a lot of people have mental and physical diseases and they were dropped out from work. And we all said, oh, it's medical. It's something. And go to the doctor. And then, then we found out during the years that I, I worked that only 2% of the workforce has a medical disease why they can't work. But in the Netherlands, and we have a lovely system. You get two years, your full salary if you're ill. So a lot of people love that. And we said 2% is normal and it's an average of five. And how is it possible when it's medically 2%, why is it 5%? And then suddenly burnout came in. Uh, now in the Netherlands, about 35% of the young women between 25 and 40 years old, for me, they're young, uh, have burnout complaints. Um, and we were going to look into it. And what we said is people lack purpose in their life. They lack the connection with themselves. So if you can't work from your passion, from your core values, your non-negotiables, there is no alignment with the company. So then distress comes in. And then complaints comes in and then you drop out. So in times of a lot of employees possible to, to work in your company, there was not a problem in the world. So, Mike, we didn't talk about purpose. That was luxury. That was for the people who could afford to talk about it. But most people just work for the money. And with Generation Y and especially Z, they are coming in the market. The world is changing. We see people who say, I want to follow my purpose in life. So that's when I started with my program, Happiness Makes Money. If you follow your purpose, you will feel happy. And not the ooh, guru happiness, but real feeling happy over a period of time then it will make you profitable and the company. So it's a win-win for both. All your lawyer friends must have thought you were nuts at that point of time, you know, all this, oh, happiness and have fun at the company. But it's, it's so interesting. You triggered a couple of things just saying that. I, and I remember back when I was in corporate, um, <clears throat> and I think it was uh, 1999, 
that I was on the scene management team and we put together a work group and I, I won't bore you with the details, but the outcome of that is we decided as a company, we were going to remove our mandatory 14 days maximum sick leave. And therefore that you could actually have as much sick leave as you want. So, and we've, we, we worked on the basis, I remember having these discussions at the time that if you give people 14 days sick leave, a lot of people will try and take 14 days sick leave during the year. But if you give them unlimited sick leave, people don't take sick leave because they know they've got unlimited sick leave. And I have to tell you that, that the number of people that um, were sick dropped by probably 50% in the next 12 to 18 months. And, you know, by the time I'd left corporate in 2002, we never had a sick leave, leave problem again. So I really understand um, why you're doing what you're doing. But the, the next thing I want to talk about was a conversation I had with somebody who's on this call last week, uh, Andrew Mason. And Andrew was telling me that uh, when people went, you know, from the workplace to home, initially, there wasn't you know, much of a productivity drop. Everybody actually felt that, you know, they're working from home, they did their best, et cetera, et cetera. But now as COVID has gone on and more people are staying at home, there's been a tremendous productivity drop. And uh, now, of course, employers want to get people back to work, but work's no longer fun, right? It's much more fun to sit at home and watch Netflix and then work when you, you want to than, than it is to be back at work. What comments do you have around that? What's been your experience with, with your clients in Europe around that whole uh, fundamental? I, I must say that we didn't see that much of a drop of productivity in, in Europe and especially in, in the Netherlands. Um, but I, I, get, I get the point. Um, I think the most important part, if, if you are working from home, you need to be connected to your colleagues and uh, in, a, in a different way than you were before. Uh, for me, it's all connected with culture. Um, if, if we have good non-negotiables, and I really mean non-negotiables, and we had a discussion this weekend about non-negotiables, um, a lot of people call, call them core values, and companies have core values, and if you're lucky, then they are on the website, and if you're more lucky, they will be in an intranet position, and nobody knows what they are. So you are onboarding in a company, you have no clue what the company stands for, you start working, something like COVID happens, you have to work from home, and there is no connection you are on the distance and you don't feel the company anymore. Normally you are at, at the office, you drink coffee, you are, we used to say you are standing at the co uh, copy machine. We don't have copy machines anymore, but you were standing there or drinking bad company coffee, um, but you could talk and feel the energy. Working from home, drop that connection with your employees. And then you need to have that core value system that keeps you together and that you can connect. So people that are now onboarding, we see much more uh, non-negotiable programs. They are talking about the core values of the company because you're not staying in the office that many hours anymore. Uh, in Europe, oh, by the way, we we researched it and only 40% of the employees can work from home. 60% of the people are location bounded for their work, like nurses and that kind of uh, job. So people that can work from home and are sitting behind the computers like most of us did, you need to feel that connection with others. And we have it in this group but if you aren't in these kind of groups and you are only have a team meeting one hour and then you go to the next meeting and to the next meeting, you're not working on culture anymore and you're not working on connection because I can't be connected with 17 people at the same time on a screen. It isn't working. A lot of people say, oh, we can do it. But we, we see that sick leave goes up because of lack of connection. So... I think it's knowing the core values of the company, but then you should know your own core values as well. What do you stand for as a human being? Why do you make the choices in life that you're making? 
if you don't know your core values, you can't make your choice. And that's one of my slogans as well. Make your choice. If you don't know them, find them. Is it easy? No. I, I know that I went on a trip in 2018 with a couple called Mike and Lundy. Um, and they, the first morning, I arrived at 10 p.m. And the next morning at 8, they were sitting at my desk and they were talking about my core values and testing me. And it's fun to be tested on your core values because then you need to know them. Is it here or is it in my belly? Is it really true? Do I really believe what I'm saying? And if you know your core values, it's easier to connect with people and sometimes disconnect with people. Because if there isn't alignment, just go. And I think that that is a big change. For 10, 15 years ago, you couldn't leave a company because there were no other jobs there. So 10 people were fighting for one job. Now it's 10 jobs fighting for one person. That's so true, Paul. I, you know, that is so true. The world has changed and so funny. And I know, I know you'll get this because you know Mike and Landy well, whereas some of the other people in this call know, know us less well. But Landy and I were sitting in the boardroom of one of the biggest companies in South Africa two weeks ago. And this company, by the way, has been voted in the top 1% in the world for culture. And they really have a good culture. I mean, the South Africans on the call may, may know who the, the company is. And we were actually literally walked in to meet with the CEO and a couple of his minions to do some corporate stuff. And we sat down and we got introduced to the CEO. And this is what he said to me up front. He said, I hear you're the two people that I have to prove to that I'm worthy as a client before you'll take me on. And I looked at, I said, where'd you hear that? And he pointed to the HR director over there had been to one of our events. And I said, well, you're right, but we've done some background on you and you're doing pretty well at the moment. But I said, um, I want to know, and I actually mentioned his three values to him that are on the company website, what your belief is. And we had a good conversation. That was our first place, a meeting of the minds. And after that, he just said, you guys are great. Just tell us what you want to do. Because we're, we were aligned with them and we've done that research. Paul, I want to, um, oh, I've got a, something in the chat here. So it's from Andrew. So let me read this. Recent HBR report shows that isolation caused by working from home is eroding trust amongst team members. I couldn't agree more. Yep. Okay, so what are companies doing? They're forcing people back to the workplace, which is crushing whatever trust was gained during working from home period. Even the hybrid working scenario is creating a trust differential between those that are present and those that are virtual. So yep. they're, they're really good statements. Do you have a comment about that, Paul, before I move on to the next question for you? Well, I, I, I totally agree. What, what we should do, and that, that's changing quickly, that we should build offices where you meet. You don't work in the office anymore. You meet in the office. You get inspiration from the others. You, you exchange opinions and views. And then you go back to your home office and you start implementing what you were talking about. So that will be the, the change. When you come together, you're there to connect, drink good coffee, good tea, enjoy each other, and then go home and start working. And we should trust people. I think... If there is no trust, there is no culture. Maybe well it's too seen. blunt, but I, I think if if I can't trust my colleague or, and I hate the term managers, uh, we have leaders and leaders are there to support you, not to manage you. And that's the big Anglo-Saxon tradition that you are on the top as CEO and then people are below you. I think it should be the other way around. The people who are doing the work are on the top and the CEO is standing below and pushing the people to higher levels. That's, that's what leaders do instead of managing those people. And that has to do with trust. That has to do with giving people energy to do their work. And if I can't trust you, close the business. Absolutely. 
Uh, great comments, and I agree with all of them. And it's fascinating because um, I had somebody on LinkedIn yesterday say to me, oh, are you doing live events yet? And I said, well, actually, we never stopped. You know, we were lucky even during COVID when, um, you know, we could only have like, I can't even remember now, 20 people maximum in a room or something. We were running live events. The reason why is because exactly what you say, people want to come somewhere and they want to connect. And it was so funny, the first live event that we ran, I think Ian, you were there. And, um, you know, I'm sort of thinking, gee, I wonder if everybody's going to be worried about COVID and everybody comes in in their masks. As soon as they see somebody they know, off with the mask, throw their arms around them, give them a big hug, you know, and this is, I'm talking, this is mid-2020 and I'm thinking, gosh, I hope like the police don't come in now. But, <laughs> but people have this desire to connect in a very human way that's really tough to replace. And I, I've, I've not seen anybody anywhere be able to replace it in this medium here. Um, now, you can feel connected, but you're not truly connected. So it's like a false sense of that. Paul, I'm interested to ask you about, I want to shift from like the employee to the entrepreneur, to the people on this call. And I want to get some tips off you how they can feel more engaged in what they're doing with their own clients, with their own suppliers, and that sort of thing as we move now, you know, into probably what's going to be fundamentally a, a new hybrid way of doing things. Well, I, I think whether you're an employee, an entrepreneur, or an employee, you, you need first to know who you are. So you need to know your core values. Like you said, the company that you were going to, they knew what you were looking for. They knew what your basic statements is to work with people. Um, I think people want to see somebody who is open-minded about who you are, what you do and why you are working with people. One of my core values is fun is my fundament. And that means if I, I'm doing a job and I'm starting to dislike doing what I'm doing, I will tell the company that I work for that I'm going to quit. That, and then I say, of course, politely. You know me by now. I can be straight if, if I do this kind of stuff. With a client, I will say, well, I don't think I'm the right person to fulfill this job for you. And maybe it's better if you find somebody who is better and maybe I can give you a suggestion. But I want to run away because it's draining the energy out of my body and then I stop doing that kind of stuff. So then you need to know first what you stand for. Otherwise, you can't run away. And people need to find on your website who you are, what you want to achieve, and how you can support others. And I see a lot of stuff that we are selling to the people. And I think we should start telling to the people, this is me, this is my company, this is what I stand for, and this is how I can help you. Absolutely. I, I... I really believe that that's true as well. And I, I think a good yardstick for anybody listening to this or watching this is, um, is if you've got a demanding client, then you've chosen the client wrong. If you've got an employee that's giving you trouble or a contractor, then you've chosen that person wrong. And yeah. I'll give you an example of that for just something I've been doing recently. I mean, I've been looking for a, a specialist technical person um, to help us with some of our funnel building, right? Because we're, we're using some stuff that's pretty intricate and I don't want to bog down my time or any of our, our people's time in doing it. And, you know, of course, I've been on to a guy, um, you know, through a couple of uh, like Upwork and stuff like that. And I've now realised after he sent me the third bunch of questions, this isn't going to work. You know, it's just like, I don't have the experience that, that I'm stupid enough that I can't communicate with people and get a point across in one or at least the second time. So now we're at the third time and going, this isn't going to work. So I wrote to him this morning and said, hey, this isn't going to work. And now I'm going to go back to the drawing board rather than persist and look for somebody else because I just know that we've got a values clash. 
right? I know what he's trying to, or I can see what he's trying to do is he's trying to create something bigger than what I want so that he can get a retainer or whatever. I don't want that. I just want the problem solved. So I think we do this and we fall into these traps all the time. Paul, I want to segue for a minute. Um, let me ask you a quick question. Uh, my left hand or my right hand, which question do you want? Left. Uh, good, good choice. I want to ask you about the Camino, okay? So, um, you know, you walked the Camino a number of years ago and you were due to walk it in either 2020 or 21, I can't remember which year, and you're planning on walking it again. And um, for those people that don't know, Paul, uh, Paul had a, a problem with his foot on the Camino, snapped an Achilles, I think, or something like that, uh, that, uh, that happened. So it was a, you know, it's a, it's a great story. You tell it from stage. I, I didn't want to particularly ask you about the story, but I wanted to ask you about what is it about the Camino or a pilgrimage that attracts you? And why do you believe that to be successful as a husband, as a father, as a business person, as a commun as a, uh, a person in the community, as somebody giving back, that we need to take this time that we just spend alone with our thoughts. What is it about that that you feel that you'd like to share? And then we'll get back on track to the topic today. Well, it, I think it's connected to the topic. I was discussing it an hour ago with Natasha. Uh, we met earlier already and I was talking about the Camino. The Camino is not something that you do for the fun of walking. It's about your desire to have some spiritual connection um, and mostly with yourself. And we were discussing that, of course, it has something spiritual in it, but it's also just the factory in your mind with the hormones who is doing its work. But for us, it feels like you're reconnecting with yourself. Um, and I did it in 2013, had to stop, started again exactly 12 months later. And I'm going to walk in four weeks' time. I'm, I'm just restarting my tour from Portugal, from Porto to Santiago. This time only two weeks. Uh, so you, feel, you hear that desire to walk more. Uh, it's because I know it will give me a lot of energy. It will give me a lot of rest. I'm not going to use any internet, phones, whatever. I, I'm just there to walk and reconnect with life um, because Corona was stressful, whether you went by it without any trouble. Uh, now the, the war in Ukraine, just around the corner from here, it hurts people. And then you have to take the time just to sit back, relax, rethink what you're doing. And if you do it in a walking method, it helps you to reopen your mind, get all the fluffy stuff out and just be you again. So reconnect with your core values. That's, that's for me why I walk the Camino. And it's funny, you know, I thank you for that. It's because I'm actually excited for when you come back to to hear what you've come up with on your journey and what you think about life, the world, and, and what you're going to do as well. Steve's put in the, in the chat here, and welcome, Steve. It's great to see you because we had a large discussion about values yesterday, uh, Steve and I. Sport is a great lens to see the application of Paul's comments. Business is just a longer time. Each player has a role and needs to be accountable to that role equals trust, Trust equals flow and flow equals magic, which is the outcome. Yep. And I think that's great. And Andrew's put a comment here. I'm not sure I agree um, that uh, the use of sports metaphors in business imply a win-lose scenario. I would rather suggest that we think like Simon, uh, Simon Sinek, um, the infinite game, just my view. Steve said, sorry, comment was in the context of culture, not win-lose, but then it's often good litmus test of where teams sit the same in business. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I think there's, um, you know, and I, Andrew, I think I probably tend to leave a little, lead a little bit more to, to Steve's line here in that, you know, I think the competitiveness has been taken out of life a little bit. And competitiveness shouldn't be 
in the term of, you know, somebody's going to die if you beat them or something like that. But the competitiveness is, is internal. It's wanting to be the best application of who you can be, whether that's the best golfer, the best hockey player, or the best business person, the best speaker, the best this, the best that. So many people these days are, um, are trying to be something that they're really not. I'm reading a book at the moment. It's a fantastic book on um, written by somebody who was a reality TV star uh, about the fact that reality TV is totally scripted and there's nothing that's real on there. And he's actually saying that if he actually says in the book, if you're borderline psycho or a criminal, then you've probably got a good chance of being picked up as a reality TV star. And everything you read on their websites about them is probably not correct. And so I think instead of creating this facade that he's alluding to that we see on the screen, to go inside, reach into our core values and then allow those core values to exude naturally and then to move them forward, I think is a very important thing. Paul, coming back to my next question for you, um, is the marketplace post-COVID ready for um, purpose and values in individuals within the marketplace? Well, I think the market should be. Otherwise, the market is in big trouble. Um, I, I, I see young people. I, I First of all, I see a lot of discussion. Can you uh, describe what is a generation and what their culture is or the differences between generations? Um, no, you, you can't be that absolute. I spoke to a, a young leader uh, last week, 35 years, and she was complaining about the younger people 32, 33, who had a different approach than she had. So I said, oh, you're a real generation X and not a Y. And she said, why? I said, well, you're talking like I was talking 10 years ago. So it differs. It has nothing to do with age. But you see a lot of younger people below 30 who want something more from their life, from their work. They're not just looking at earning money, which was when I started war working 40 years ago, that was the only purpose, earn money, buy a good house, get children, go on holiday, get more, get more, get more. And in the next generation, they got it all. And now you see that it's not working anymore. So is that bad? No, that's great, because now we have to rethink why we do what we do. And, and because of the different in the marketplace, demographic figures that a lot of baby boomers and Xs are leaving the marketplace and we have less youngsters to replace them, the ones are going into the market are saying, why should I do it? What's in it for me? Eh? We call it the Iggy guy. I, I love that book that you are searching. What is, what is my purpose? And I, I do it myself and I train others uh, of my age to, to look into your purpose as well because it's so silly to say, oh, I will do it when I'm 65, when I retire. Um, I see people who say, Walking the Camino, it's on my bucket list. Well, get it off and start doing it. It's so silly to postpone what you really want to do. We know life is short. We've been through a difficult period. So I think the market should be ready and a lot of companies will be ready. They will be forced by younger employees. And I call, don't call them human resources, but human beings. So it's an HR department. They're always in trouble with me because I don't love human resources. They aren't. They are human beings. So treat them like that. Ask them questions. And one of the most important questions is ask them, what can I do to support you to leave this company within five years? Interesting That's the best question. question. Because then they start talking about their purpose and how they can align with you. And they will see whether you're really interested in investing in people instead of a resource that you can replace. 
it's not a computer, it's not a desk. We are human beings. So if you are a consultant and you come into a company, look at the culture, how they treat people. Are they resources or are they human beings? Are they willing to invest in human beings? Are they willing to invest in themselves? Like the CEO you talked about, he was willing to invest in himself as well. A lot of CEOs aren't interested in investing in themselves, only getting money out of the company into themselves. And, and I, I think, think that, the market's that's played a pandemic changed. in itself. Yeah. And I think the pandemic changed it more quickly than we ever thought. Look, look in, in the US, 25% of all employees want to change their jobs. Why? Because they found out in the, uh, during the pandemic that it wasn't what they wanted to live for. So now they're looking for something new. Who did it wrong? Not the employees, the companies. Because they were taking the energy out of the people instead of giving them energy. And you need to give people energy to work for you. And that's why we said happiness makes money. It's profitability all over for the human being and the company if you invest in people. Absolutely. I was smiling then as you were talking about human beings versus human resources, because I remember working with somebody who called the HR department human remains. <laughs> and in many cases, you know, it is because that's the way it's, it's, it's sort of set up. And I know when Landy first started work, she would tell you when she first started working as an HR director and they would onboard people, um, basically, you know, they would say, this is the company and this is what you're doing and this is your responsibilities and all of those sort of things. And now it's turned around to, you know, companies saying, how would you like to work? When do you want to come to the office? And what are your career goals? And, you know, how can we serve you better as an employee? But, and people have got that expectation now. Uh, there's some couple of great questions in the chat here. I'm just going to read them. Uh, Lynette, I thought your statement was great. This is a great statement, by the way. Success isn't delivering the fulfillment we desire anymore. I think that's something that we can lead people to just sit with because I want to come back to that. We're going to come back to that comment. It's a great comment. Then Andrew says, a question for Paul. Is there a difference between organizational purpose, vision or mission, and maybe how to align them if they are different? So is there a difference between organizational purpose, vision or mission, and maybe how do we align them if they're different? Well, I hope that it, it is one flow. Um, if, if you look at fam family businesses that start from a purpose, and normally they are not spoken uh, to the others, but it's, it's felt in the family what they want to do and how they want to work. And it's always difficult. Is mission coming first and then vision or vision and mission and strategy? Uh, I don't mind. As long as you feel what you want to do, then you set your goals for the future. And I call it mission. And then your vision is how can we get there and what are we going to deliver to get there? And then you make a two-year strategy because we can't see further than two years. So the five-year planned economy, well, that's a long time ago. So I, I looked at Zappos, for example, in the US. It's, it's a big example, and uh, Simon Sinek is talking about it, and it's like the Semco story. Um, they start with the 10 family core values, and they started, Tony Shea started it 15 years ago. He died uh, unhappily a couple of months ago or a year ago. Um, but he started a small company and it's now 1,800 people and they're just selling shoes online. If you want to work there, you need to fill within their family core values. If you don't fit in, you get money to leave because you're less expensive to them if you leave than if you stay. So aligned to the core values of the company. And if you don't fit in as an individual, well, you need to start your searching again. 
So the company is here. They have their core values. They create a mission, vision, strategy. You are applying to work there and you are chosen to fulfill those core values. Not your competencies, but your talent. What is your talent? How can I help you to fit in what we are trying to do? So we will have a different conversation. Uh, it's colleagues that will have a di discussion with a new employee. It's not HR who are saying, oh, you will earn this. And like you said, there are companies now in the Netherlands who say, how many hours do you want to work? And we don't want to know. Yeah, right. This is your task. Then they say, how much money do you want to take out of the company? It's up to you. You can decide it yourself. We're not going to limit you. What you see is that people look at the other people, talk with the other people and say, hmm, if this is our culture, how shall we behave? And nobody is taking 10 grand out of it when it's normally worth four grand. Nobody is doing it. Same with sick leave. If we trust people and they align on the core value, productivity will be 10, 20% higher than if we start controlling them. Gallup is doing research all over the world. It's one of the seven keys. We, we discussed that in, uh, in Cape Town, the seven keys of talent management engagement. It's still in my program. Um, and, and we now measure those seven keys. So if you are engaged, productivity goes up, your mistakes go down, sick leave goes down with almost 40%. Mike, that's what you're saying. If we trust people, they're not going to misuse sick leave. They will use it if they have to go to a hospital for an operation, surgery or whatever. Of course, they need to be paid to support them because they were unlucky. It's not their choice. So if you trust people, and, and I know it's from a lawyer point of view, it's so silly. Um, get rid of all those rules and, and books that tells you what the policy is of the company. I need to find out what the core values are. And they need to be on the front, behind the desk, when I enter a company, I should see these are our core values. If you fit in, please enter this room. That's it. Yeah, perfect. Um, Philippe's got a great question here. Oh, it's, a, it's more for your comment. He says, Paul, can you talk about the great resignation phenomenon? So just to give a view, an overall view on it and where do you think it's going to lead and, and why are these people doing it and... Surely now, this, this is my question I ask myself is, surely now when people are nervous about, you know, having a job, where's their company going to survive, et cetera, et cetera, that uh, they're worried about the marketplace being flooded by people looking for jobs, yet they're still resigning. So what comments do you have about that? I think that during uh, the COVID period, um, a lot of people were confronted with work pressure, with stress. Um, and one of the reasons is that they didn't fit in what they were doing. So for me, it's always the energy level. Uh, are you getting energy from your private life and from work? Then the energy drain that, that will be there in, in a stressed situation like COVID. It, it must be neutralized and you need to have more energy. And what you see now is that a lot of people are now thinking, why am I still working at this company? It's not giving me any energy anymore. Maybe it did once, but they changed, the company changed, the world is changing, and we still try to fit in in one spot. And I don't believe it anymore. People that work for 40 years in a company it's great that they do it and that they are still there. But most of them have something in their private life that gives them energy because the work isn't giving them any energy anymore. I don't believe it. Um, if you're doing the task for 40 years, 
it's not working. And a lot of people found out that the company is not going to save them during uh, COVID. They, they need to create their own future again, like walking the Camino is making that first step. And then they say, I want something new. Are they, we call it the golden cave that you have so much money that you can't leave a company. Well, it's, it's working for a lot of people and it's changing now. A lot of people say, well, I have a mortgage. I have two or three or more children. They need to study. I need the money, but I need to live as well. And maybe if I step down a little bit, earn a little bit less, then it won't be three times on holiday, but only one time. But when I'm happy during the rest of the year, why would I focus on only going on holiday to create more energy? So I think well-being is much more important than wealth. And it was first all about money. And now it's you should go your own way. We were talking with Natasha about those songs. You should go your own way. And I think a lot of people are now focusing, knowing, man, life can be short. A lot of people died unexpectedly. Okay. If life is that short, you should go your own way. Make your own walk and create your own talk. But at least do what you like. And I think now people understand that they were still in a job that they didn't like anymore. And that's not worth the risk anymore to stay there. And then they want to leave. Or they were misused by management that they needed to work more hours. We were talking about 90 hours a week. It's silly. 40 is more than enough. 32 is the best when you're an employee. Is production going down? No, not at all. You see the production per hour is getting higher. So normally in the Netherlands, they were looking at it 40 hours a week. Production per hour was 50%. Now we reduce the number of hours to 32. It's up to 70% per hour. The result is still the same. So there yeah. are companies I think that are paying 40 hours and people are working 32 hours. The results, exactly the same. And I think they've got the same results in Sweden as well from uh, doing their reduction of hours as well. And I think it's 30 hours, isn't it? They're, they're poor, but anyway, but it's something similar to, to the Netherlands. But this brings up an interesting question for everybody who's listening to, to, to Paul talk here, is that, you know, some of us, the listeners, may not have a job, we've got a business, but we're actually in the same conundrum. When was the last time that we actually thought about whether we were happy in our business and whether this is actually what we wanted to do? And I know that, you know, uh, in the first stage of, of lockdown in 2020, you know, we're sitting at home all locked up, level five lockdown, where, you know, you're not allowed to go to the kettle without getting a passport. And, um, and Landy said to me, do you want to retire? And I said, well, not really. But um, she said, you know, is your energy lagging towards what you do? And I started, I said, yeah, well, I noticed it has been in the last year. You know, I said, I noticed it has been. I've been going like, oh, I've got to do this or I've got to do that a little bit more. So I actually sat down and, and did an exercise. And the exercise was really a values exercise you know, our, our values are, are beauty, fun, love, travel, and freedom. So then I looked at, okay, what can I do that, because I certainly don't want to just sit at home and watch TV all day, what can I do that can embrace those five values? And I looked at all sorts of things and I came up with, guess what? What I do actually embraces all of those five values. And a weird thing happened is that I got so much motivation for what I'm doing that I, I really feel that I hadn't had in years, not to saying I was unmotivated. To most people, I'm incredibly motivated. But to me, I could see that I wasn't as motivated as what I may have been in 2013, 2014, 2015 type of thing in 2018 and 2019. But 2020 really renewed that for yep. me. And now, and it's funny when that happens as a business, 
suddenly law of attraction, boom, all these opportunities come and, uh, and you know, you, now you, you don't know where to look because there's just opportunities everywhere. And so right. my, my point to that before I hand back to you, Paul, is for everybody to do that same type of exercise. Back to you, Paul. Yeah, I, I think you, you need to uh, feel that energy because then you show it to the rest of the world. Uh, and, and if you show it to the rest that you're really standing for what you want to be and people believe you so they feel that it's real, people will give you that opportunity to do your work. So if I'm, I'm doing a webinar this afternoon because two weeks ago I read something on LinkedIn and it became a big discussion and I thought, well, I'm not going to side which side I'm on but maybe we can find a third way. So they're both right, but I will connect something new, new business. Exactly. So you don't say you are wrong or you are wrong. You're saying, well, that's an interesting discussion. Let's see how we can combine it and make a third road and create something new. And it gives me the energy to do two webinars this week on this and I have 40 people in every webinar and it's in Dutch. So. 40 people is a lot. Um, and it's fun. And it gives me the energy. And I will show the energy. And even the government organizations are in there because they want to hear what my new strategy is. Will it give me some extra work? Absolutely. So you need to work and it's the same like you did. You need to look at your core values and whether you walk a Camino or sit down in your office, it's, it's all the same. Take your time to rethink, why am I here? What am I doing? Is this what I want to do the next two years? And if so, what do I need to make fun of it and to be happy with it? And I do it every two or three years, I think. So we need to go somewhere again, Mike, uh, to uh, to go through a three or four day experience again. Why? Because it puts you back in the seat, relax, rethink, and think, mm, I'm doing this. Is this really what I want? Am I a happy person for my surrounding, for my family? Do they like me when I do this kind of stuff? And as an entrepreneur, it seems easier to make that kind of choices, but you need to earn money as well. So if you make a big change, it, it can say that you lose about 78% of your income. So you need to be careful. And for me, it's the same as an employee. Um, I don't see the difference then we are more responsible and more accountable to ourselves and our families than an employee is. But I think an employee should think as them, as an entrepreneur as well. You run I, your own I, business I for somebody else and that's okay. Yeah, it's entrepreneurship. And interestingly, coming back to a point you made earlier when you were talking about yours and Natasha's discussion, I remember, I've taught a few people this over the years, I remember a tool I used in corporate which was really good and it was, and I don't have a copy of it here, but I can basically remember it. It was um, 12 motivations to work and it was a psychological tool, but essentially, basically it, it's, it tells you once the person goes through a tool, it'll tell you what their number one motivation is to work. The top three in this order were people work and want to go to work for number one, independence. Strange, eh? They're working for independence. Number two, they're working, working for self-fulfillment. So they actually go for a job as a cleaner or a you know, chef for self-fulfillment, number two. Number three was money and number four was recognition. And yep. then there were other things like family life and self-esteem and, uh, and um, a few others, anyway, that, that came in, in there. But, um, but they, were, they were the top four. So it was so interesting that, you know, we assume that people work for money, but in fact, they're working for something that's within them that they've never shared with the, even themselves, but it comes out in the psychological test. Um, I want to go to questions, but uh, Lynette's put in here. 
COVID has opened the opportunity for people for the first time to have a life outside the standard nine to five job. This newfound freedom will not be extinguished again easily. There is discontent now that it didn't exist before COVID. And I think that's very, very true. Uh, that's, that's for sure. So um, any questions for Paul before we start to bring today to a close? And you can put up your hand or I can see most of you here now or anything else, Paul, that you would like to share as we bring this to a close? Well, I, I, I think I, I try to make clear that, that the most important thing for us as human beings is, is to do the stuff we really like to do that gives us the energy. And there will be all reasons why we can't or there is no option I, I think we all have a responsibility to ourselves to be the best person you can be. Um, and if you are disconnected or whatever, connect with people that can support you, um, that can be somebody just calling them and say, hey, can we have a meeting? Um, or go to groups like this and feel the support. Uh, I know a lot of you and I've met you live and, and, and giving that connection, that's the most important part. And you were saying that the motivations, I, I remember the ABC of engagement and we made it ABCP. Um, Autonomy, this is from positive psychology, autonomy, belonging and competences. And we said purpose. And the purpose is now becoming before the A. So it's different. And it, it sounded good. Oh, that's the ABC of engagement. And now it's the PABC of engagement. And it still works. Everybody, every person wants to feel that they have some autonomy in their work and in their life. And if you can make it this small, just asking what can we improve to make your work better? That's helping autonomy with people. It's, sometimes it's that simple, but we make it complex with laws and regulations and all that kind of stuff. And I can tell you, laws never work. They're always five years too late. So the world Absolutely. is moving on and we create a law. And it's Absolutely. silly. Absolutely. And we can see what's happening when uh, governments are creating laws at the moment around the world and how people are pushing back on that through the truckers and, you know, protests and all sorts of things. So I think that just, uh, that just sort of hammers your point home. Paul, thanks very much for, for being on the call today. And, folks, thanks very much. I think there's been so much good stuff here as well. Um, next week at this same time, you've got me on the call and uh, I'm going to be sharing about the construct of energy. So I'm going to be doing some quantum physics and some other things uh, next week that we're going to be talking about. Paul, thanks once again. We really, really appreciate your Welcome. time. Good luck with your two webinars, my friend. Will, will be a success, I think. <laughs> Definitely. Bye, everybody.